Yes, here we go. Another edition. Uh, more madness, as the fella said. Uh, plenty to get through. Uh, we're going live. We like the old adrenaline rush, the same as the boys in the cars, though. But uh, Wexford rally last weekend. Tour of the Spurrens last weekend. Uh, plenty of lads over in Spain competing. So we've a nice bit to get through. And we have a couple of guests to talk through all the action over the next hour or so. Uh, the episode is in association with uh, DC Electrical and Mechanical Service. We thank Derek for getting in touch with us there and helping us out with a bit of sponsorship for this episode it does help us keep the show on the road lads um you know there's a bit of cost in it there is a few overheads and all and bills to be looked after so we do appreciate when lads do get in touch and if you want to get in touch with us um irish rally podcast at gmail.com is our email address you can uh, tweet us you can get us on instagram you can get us on facebook as well at irish rally pod right so let's bring in our first guest uh, mr gary bradley of uh, wexford motor club how are we doing gary not a bad thing kevin thanks for having us on this evening yeah, well, listen. Thanks for thanks for jumping on. I know you're you're busy and you're trying to enjoy probably a little bit of downtime after a a crazy enough weekend. Um, but you must be delighted first of all to, you know, that that the event actually went and happened because I was touching base with you last year and there was big plans in place for a rally which never got to go ahead. This year, twelve months on, thankfully, we're looking at a more positive story. Yeah, look, we we tried. Uh, I know it didn't didn't come t- uh, to a head there last year, but we, we tried as much as we could to try and get the event up and running last year, and it was looking very positive until kind of the last moment, and the rug was pulled from underneath us. But uh, I suppose we did a lot of a lot of the backbone work last year, and we kind of ran with something similar this year. Um, you know, the team were on board again, and I suppose it, it paid dividend in what we had the weekend, a very successful event, and I suppose it's, uh, you know, it just goes, goes to show all the planning kind of worked out in the end, you know. Would it be fair to say that it was um, a completely different blueprint? There was a lot of things, you know, that were planned for last year that, that didn't happen this year. Like, I suppose having the one-day event and the location where it was ran out of, like, there was a lot of new stuff happening, and it did work quite well by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Look, even the one-day format is completely new to us in in Wexford. Like we normally have our two-day event. Um, yeah, uh, we were lucky enough, I suppose, just after COVID, to get uh, site in Albatross there, McDonald Brothers and Sons. We ran a rally sprint, and we were able to utilise that then for the service park and for scrutiny, checking in rally office. Everything is quite a big site, but that also meant moving to a new location down in Euros, which we haven't ran over in just in decades. I I don't remember personally. Uh, the last event being run over us so there was definitely a lot of new um doors open or new avenues and new challenges and that was without COVID so yeah definitely definitely a different rally than what we've experienced here in Wexford before. So to give a bit of an insight to viewers and listeners that you know we mightn't have explored actually on the podcast at all the canvas inside of that then I mean typically over the years when you have established routes and established areas and the stages are quite similar you're, you're knocking on the same doors and people for the most part are obliging was that much of a difficulty this time around? Uh, I suppose I'll go back to the first rally, Kevin, because we were there were almost identical stages as what we were going to run last year, and we were very, very nervous last year going out in canvassing. Uh, I went and was doing the canvassing myself with a couple of the guys, and the, the feedback we got on the door was absolutely phenomenal. And it was more than the rally, and it was about just coming back to normality for a lot of people. It wasn't the motorsport. Some of them. Do you know what? They were very interested in what it was, but we're starting at the very start, telling them what cars do when roads close and everything. But they were just delighted to get back. Uh, a lot of them were disappointed when we couldn't run last year. We went back and we did the canvas to thank them for their time and did a few bits and bobs, which paid dividend this year because our canvas this year was very, very easy. We went back and the minute they seen the club short coming to the door, they were delighted. They were 
you know, of ringing the cousins or ringing the neighbours or coming down to on the barbecue for the weekend. So uh, despite being in a new area, we were very, very welcomed by um, all the residents. It was, uh, it was a very easy rally to run, I suppose, when you look at the residents part of it. And look, we were only running two stages three times, which we'd normally be running five or six stages. So a little bit less work on the canvas. And like I said, new area, but they were more than welcoming for the whole thing. So all good. That's what you want. Um, so another thing that was very much complimented beforehand, and it's something maybe you can give a bit of insight in from feedback you would have got afterwards, was the close proximity of the stages, which is obviously a big thing among competitors. You know, lads lose the mind when there's big distances between the stages and stuff, but he had that fairly well waxed, and um, it's something that was very much, you know, looked forward to beforehand. So the feedback I take, it was good on that front too. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we, well, with COVID, we were trying to bring in down the mileage. We didn't want it spread all over the county as well. So that was part of the planning from last year. And when we came back to the stages, it was, oh, I don't know offhand, it was probably five, six kilometres, I think, from the end of stage uh two back to the stage one again for the loop and all. It, you know, on bottom running, uh, I don't know, it was seven, eight kilometres from your off where the service was, so coming in and out, the shakedown stage we had was actually part of the second stage run backwards. So, you know, we weren't sending lads all over the county. Uh, we, it was, a, yeah, very, very close loop. I did wrecking myself in about three and a half hours, I think. You know, and that was two stages run three times in the shakedown, which is, you know, very, very efficient, I suppose, the way of doing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, and using that bit of a loop, I suppose... One possible drawback is that you're closing off a road, the same road, a part of it anyway, two days in a row, which, you know, can be a challenge, but um, obviously yeah. not the case in in this event. Like, No, no. Look, we went to the, the few of the locals down there, um, which would be very supporting of the, the motor club. And, you know, a lot of our club members know some of them personally, and there was absolutely no hassle. They would, we could have closed it for a week, honest to God. They were, they were that welcoming. So, um. You know, they wanted it and they couldn't wait for it and they were excited. And that was shown by the crowds in the ditches and even the volunteers that were helping from the local area. A lot of the people from the areas we canvassed actually came out to, to marshal for us on the weekend. And, you know, I'll marshal at my own gate or can I do up at the cross. You know, this kind of local thing, which is a great help to the club as well. Yeah, and that prevents a lot of headaches because, you know, marshals do be thin on the ground a lot of times. So when the locals are helping out as well, sure, like I said, that's the icing in the cake altogether. Ah, it is, and to have local knowledge as well. Like they're able to make the phone call to the farmer down the field. Is there any chance we can go cut across it? You know, rather than just uh, mm. coming in. So it's great to have that little bit of local knowledge. And I suppose you feel more welcome in an area when when the locals are the ones helping you out and and trying their best to. You know, simple things. One guy there we rang. He's doing the milk run, and he changed the milk run from a Sunday. All they ran, they've got an extra lorry in. They ran from Saturday evening the whole way through. To Sunday morning, so they didn't have to do any work for the Sunday, you know. And this was before we rang them, you know. So when they know they're coming, you know, they can be quite helpful as well. So that's great to hear that. And lads are obliging because we've heard horror stories yeah. down through the years. Lads oh, <laughs> driving down, we've the had the horror <laughs> stories too, Kevin. We've had them, don't worry. So <laughs> you know we, yourself, we take like, the good with the bad, yeah. yeah that's yeah, it, yeah. You know, it's all it's all part of it. So the cha- the, the stages themselves, I suppose, did provide challenges. And I, I think stage one in particular, lads were like, you know, there was a few dodgy enough sections in that. Um, going by the you know the, the feeds afterwards or whatever and, and all the feedback really but uh, lads did get the grips of it I suppose eventually but sure as you know yourself lads get brave the odd time as well on these stages I think to have it known the second and third time but um, yeah, yeah. you know what did you what do you think about that yourself? Yeah look uh, I suppose Sunday morning it was wet and there was an awful lot of leaves on the stage it must have been a, a, quite a big wind um, 
actually going to the marsh meeting point myself, I had to travel one of the stages from my own home place. And just the amount of leaves and twigs and things in the road. And when I got to the meeting point, you know, it was, I got the remarks back from the stage commanders as well. Um, I'm sure everyone was a little bit cautious on the first run. Uh, you know, we had big, big numbers coming back in after the first loop, you know, where you'd normally have lads on a big push trying to set stage times. But I think everyone were, were cautious. Um, we didn't lose any stages, actually, all over the whole Sunday. I think there was one blockage that stopped about six cars, but other than that, we were all good. Uh, the second loop, it started to dry up. Traditional Ireland, you know, we had the sun, we had the rain, we had the wind, everything all in the one day. First loop, very wet and slippy. Second loop, it was really dry where the sun was able to get to the road so you, when you had trees on one side of the road one half of the road was dry one half was wet so you end up driving off the racing line just to get dry grip uh, some lads were brave with tyre choices and i think that's what made the difference in lads who were able to win the classes and position well i know um josh moffat and andy hayes had a good tyre selection and i think that's what catapulted them to get the win overall was the correct tyre choice on the second loop of the day so you know and then there was a uh, intermittent showers then for the third loop so you have little bits of everything and a bit of luck, I suppose, involved for for a lot of crews as well, you know. Ah, sure, look, that's, that's what you want. It makes it exciting as well, but you get the contrast there and the choice of tyres and stuff. And then I can't remember what competitor it was at the end of the stage. It's like, we had to go with two slicks on the front. <laughs> and that wasn't ideal given what was, you know, the yeah. terrain you're describing, like. Yeah, no, it was it was almost impossible. Like, it, look, it's Wexford in, you know, in the autumn, like, it's, you're going to have mud on the road and wet and it's you know everything you expect it going to be and then you go out and it's bone dry then on the second loop and then you're back to the wet for the third one like it, i don't think there is a correct tire choice you know a correct tire choice on a class 14 thing and a correct tire choice on an r5 or a class one or two or you know one could be on slicks and the other one could be on wets and it could be the right tire choice for them so yeah look there was there was definitely lads not comfortable and on, on a big push but sure that's what rallying is and there was plenty of tails hanging out in the ditches and things like that but that's that's all part of the fun as well i suppose it is and you know even this conversation that's the conversation we were absolutely you know dreaming of for the last night and a whole long to, to be even talking about this like do you know what i mean sure. even even if you want to didn't look likely let's be honest about it about 14 months ago you were trying to get me to come on here to talk about the extra rally that was going to be and we're waiting 14 months just for yourself <laughs> and myself to have this chat so yeah look it's good to be back let's be honest yeah well yeah there was there was a few other things as well yeah yeah, um, yeah look it's hard to get around to everything but no look it's it's great to be back um i think the crowds in the ditches showing it you know i think the only issue we had was the amount of spectators none of them were in the wrong places none of them did anything bad they were all doing exactly what was required of the marshals and like we had over double the amount of marshals that was required in the safety plan and we were still barely able to contain the spectators they were just kilometers long in the ditches which is you know it's not something you'd normally see if in a normal year of rallying you know when you look kind of the Donegal's and the rally the lakes and that kind of thing you know, big crowds up Malls Gap and all that. That's what we had, you know, in laneways in the middle of Adamstown. Like, so it's uh, it's definitely the local economy got a bit of a fright. And they were in for four in the morning breaking breakfast rolls and still sold out. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's good for everyone, no? The supporters, the local economy, local shops, everything. So, is this good. kind of like, I won't say a kick in the arse, but is it kind of like a tiny reminder? last year and a half or whatever to spectators who might have lost the grow. I'm not talking about competitors, they'll always have the grow, right? But spectators were like, ah jeez, I don't know if I bother going to that. And now all of a sudden, bang, they won't miss it. Because it was taken away from them. Like it's probably not a bad thing really when you put it like that. Yeah, well 
I suppose there's something comes to me in business, especially is if something is given for free, it doesn't have a value. We learned this in business the whole time. So if you have a product and you give it away, it's worth nothing. And motorsport is free to watch. So a lot of lads took it for granted that we had it. And I'll go, and you know, Asher, I won't go, I'll go to the next one the next day. If you're after buying your ticket for a concert, it was 50 quid, you'd make sure that you'd go because it'd yeah. be a waste of 50 quid. So they were getting their free show every week. And it, that's what we had every week. If it wasn't every week, it was every second week in this country. It was, you know, events, 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 events. And then it was stopped. And I think it wasn't until they couldn't go to realised what they were missing or what they were taking for granted in the first place. Like there was a hunger, you could see it like all in your ass, in a scarty clonorous, all the times. They were full, you couldn't drive through them, like you know, they were from everywhere. So I think absolutely there's a you know, I was down at Cork twenty there a few weeks ago as well, and the crowds were bananas like so I think they're you know, maybe realising what they were getting for free and maybe not taking for granted as much anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. There's a nice new bypass down there as well, and the place is still blocked up, so that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a good a good complaint to have as well. No, it's, a, it's the first time Ross is blocked up since the bypass went in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's all good, yeah. So let's get into the nitty gritty then, Gar. I mean, you know, it was obviously an event of, of great excitement, but as we always do here on the podcast, and we'll always plan to do, class winner. So do you want to rattle down to the class winners first, and then we'll maybe take the top 10, or wherever you feel comfortable yourself, just to give people a run now? Yeah, I just have the, the class winners jot down there now. Now, just bear with me now on this because I've took it down off the phone before I was talking to you here, Kevin. I'm right, afraid. right. I'm away. I'm, away. I'm not in my own, in my own office. Um, yeah, class one is uh, Peter Johan and Brian Johan in the Puget 106. Class two, uh, Gavin Shield and Ken Blanche in the Fiesta. Class three, uh, Michael Arm and the Paddy King in the Civic. Uh, class five then, which was actually fourth overall, was Endor Brian and John Butler in the, in the Volkswagen Polo. And just thanks to them as well. They came down for the launch with, with Wexford Volkswagen Race, which is much appreciated. Um, class uh, 7 was one of our previous winners, Steve Wood and Keith Mortiarty in their Fiesta. Um, local crew then, uh, Brian and Elaine Kerwin. Brian is actually the, the club secretary. was out in the, the back-wheel drive, Pujo. Um, a great run from them, fair play to him. Um, Chris Lace and Ryan Power, another Wexford crew, out in the Nova. It was uh, Class 10. Um, 11 then, uh, 11 are a good friend of mine, uh, Bill Nolan, Billy Nolan, or William Nolan as he's here on this show, and, uh, and Evan it's out in the twin camp. That, no. <laughs> it is very, very formal for that, but that's that's what was written down here anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah no, um, Seth and Billy go back a, a good few years of drifting and stuff, but he was out in the twin camp putting on a show for everyone. It's great to see him get a class win as well, you know, um, he's relatively new to the sport. Um, Aaron Brown and... Derry Long out in the Civic in uh, 11F. Seamus O'Grady, another Wexford man, uh, in the Peugeot, Class 12. Uh, Chris O'Callaghan and Dylan Donoghue in the Mark II for Class 13. Uh, class 14, James Stafford and Andy Kendi, Wexford crew, previous winners of course. Uh, fifth overall, they actually finished in the event uh, after a shunt on the last run. I think it was for stage five or six. Just a clip for the up in line there where the there is, backers yeah, into yeah. a wall. Yeah. Um, Tomas and O'Rourke and Tomas Gallon, another Wexford crew, Class 16 out in Devo. Uh, Class 20 then, Connor Moore and Leo Tector out in Evo as well. Uh, always the crowds for Everson. Uh, very friendly blokes, Wexford lads. Um, in the juniors, uh, Jack Burton and Sean Burton in the Civic. Uh, historics then, I was going to just name first and seven in the historics. Second was Alan Ring out in the Legacy that we all know, the Bat 555 car. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal car to have down. Loads yeah. and loads of PR around it all. And I suppose a big talking point of the weekend was one of our lucky lay entries that got in, Craig Breen. Uh, himself and Mikey um, 
were out. Uh, I think the, the times they had would have put him, I think, sixth overall in the event, uh, which is great to see one of the older cars able to put her up to some of the more modern machinery and door fives. Um, but yeah, yeah, Craig was down putting on a, a bit of a show, fresh after signing for M-Sport. So yeah, um, all good there. Uh, top three then. Uh, Daniel Cronin and Shane Buckley in the R5 Fiesta. Uh, Marion Evans and Jonathan Jackson in the Polo. Mm-hmm. And of course, the winners then was Josh Moffat and the ever so popular Beer Nuts, Andy Hayes, Wexford man. It's his first time getting onto the top of the podium. Delighted from absolutely delighted yeah. from. Um, Andy does an awful lot of work for the for the club in the background. You know, even with the youth academy things, and when we were going through COVID, they were trying to plan online navigation things, and Andy was always into the phone. And I don't think lads uh, really see how much he does for the club in the background. He's you wouldn't think of him as a few drinks in him, but he, he's quite a shy fella on the, on the front of it. Like, but uh, so f- I, I'm delighted for him, and I think every club member in in Wexford is delighted to see that get that bottle of champagne on the top of the on the top top side of the podium. So fair play to himself and Josh on the on the win. Well, like when you win your home yeah. event, it is especially like we, we see that I see that firsthand even in Carroll there with uh, with Connell and Cody a few years ago. Do you know how much it actually means? Like it means an awful lot when you do finally. Get oh it. sure, it's it's everything. It's well, sure. No matter what can be said now, he's the fastest man in Wexford. He can go to whatever club meeting he wants, and he can say whatever he wants to anyone. And, and the light, he's the fastest yeah, man in Wexford. Yeah, sounds of things, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, and he's a good character as well. But look, he yeah. gives as good as he gets. So it's nice to have a, a bit of a comeback answer from him. Yeah, so that's what you want. Delighted from yeah. So can I just talk to you about Breen as well? There's a couple of things actually there just before I do let you go. But Breen in particular, I mean, yeah, what what a late entry. Um, nice to be able to get to get him in there at the at the eleventh hour or whatever. And it is well the amount of attention they brought. You know what I mean? And and good PR as you said. And the car. Yeah, well, his he had a late entry. Um, I suppose excluding Breen, if you look at our reserve list that was published, we think we had. Uh, and just this is off the cuff now, could be wrong. I think there was three R5s, two class 14 escorts, two class 13 escorts, and a class 13 Mark II, and Craig Breen. That was our reserve list. Yeah. Like, wonder of God, if you had that and the first 10 for your normal year, you'd have a good rally. It yeah. just goes to show. Like, look, we said we set the precinct at the start of the even the, our other rally because we were thinking we we're going to have numbers. And it was all paid entries that were enforced on time, the whole lot. And then we had it down. Any clubman or anybody had had done our event in the last three years, then our clubmen they helped and our clubmen. So like our clubmen in class one and two cars got into that event before Craig Green or some of the lads from up the country in an R five. You know, so we're, we're like we're we are a clubman club and we're mm-hmm. trying to stick to that, which I know it seemed a bit odd sometimes. Some of the lads, when that published, my phone just went bananas, as you can imagine. What in the name of God are them lads doing on a reserve list? But look, the, the most of them got in, so it was great to see you. And look, yeah, Craig, he drew a crowd. He did what he wanted. And I suppose I just want to thank him as well. We asked him about doing the ceremonial start, and um, he was more than obliging. Came down in the car, took pictures, shook hands, was kids going around with their heads signed and mm-hmm. t-shirts and jumpers and programs and all that so it's great for the sport great for the town and uh, could be a pr for craig and happy for him with the with the result as well you know so it's nice to see what uh, the old machinery are still able to put up to some of the big boys in the right hands you know yeah we saw liam o'callaghan mention it again the other day and he mentioned it previously too no, I want to get on this podcast. I have reached out to him a few times, and maybe we get persuaded. He sees you on now, Gary. Mike, come on. Yeah, yeah. I could well, start. You get all the normal Joe Soaps that'll come on now after me. Yeah, <laughs> but like the thing is, he was talking about having a group A class and bringing it back. Like, and obviously, 
legacy and all that now will be in what historic category aren't they like you know as you're, they're as you're, historic, as you're saying yeah. which is crazy I, I can't get my head around that you still think that they're not you know that old or whatever like is there a is there to be said i suppose for making a class specifically for the group a era kind of again do you know I, what i mean i think uh, I, I think there's two things missing more for personally you know? this is not me speaking as a director for the more club branch, just my own personal preference. I think uh, an entry level, like we all see, you know, class 11 is probably the most common class, or even juniors at the minute. Well, sure, the juniors are running gearboxes that a normal man can't afford, you know what I mean? You know, so I think there's something for an entry level class, let it be whatever it's going to be. I have a mini myself, you know, but just pick it for an example that you run that. You can upgrade race and upgrade the suspension or something, but it has to be H-pattern box standard where you can go and buy a car for five or six grand and go out and rally it. And I think the other thing is missing is the nostalgic. How many of them cars of the legacies? Do you know, and you'd look back to Bertie Fisher era, jeez, lads, you know, here's a stand on the back of your neck looking at some of the stuff that's on there. And I think that's massively, all we have to do is look at the historics in Clarny, how much of a crowd it draws. And, and it's, the, it's the right crowd, if that makes sense. So it's the people who have money in their pocket and people who have the cars and they respect the cars and you know you could go, you could put a car show on the day before and you'd pay money to go in and look at these jokes in the museum you know never mind seeing being trashed around the roads uh, i think it's a shame to have them locked up in the shed if i had one i'd probably lock it in the shed because i'd wreck it but <laughs> i i'd like to see the lads who are able to afford to go out and, and give them a good rattle on the road and i i'd love to see you come back out you know uh the class a stuff or you know all, all the things of yesteryear some of the younger lads you know, well, younger than me anyway, you know, would have never seen them in the last kind of, you know, the last decade or that that's mm-hmm. gone. And it'd be great for them. Let's look, the smells, the bangs, you know, the, like, it's not as fast as some of the new machinery, but a great, there's great excitement on the ditch when you hear it coming and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, if you, you know, actually, the old WRC escorts and their whole lot, you know. Exactly. Like, if you would your eyes closed, it's nearly as special as having your eyes open because, the, the, as you said, the noise, you know what I mean? The noise is what resonates, yeah. really. Look, you know. for me, my first more sport, I suppose, big memory would have been watching some of the Circuit of Ireland with an uncle of mine, John. And uh, it was the Bertie Fisher era, you know, and it was all them cars. And I was a chap, frightened to live in heart. I mean, the bangs, you'd hear it go through you. And for a few years after, like, Aim Bowling kind of dominated in Wexford. And, you know, and it was, there was a few the Metro 6 R4s pricing the whole lot, but he was out in the WRC. And crackles and the bangs, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, you know that's it, that's the one, and I'd hate to think that my kids wouldn't see that going along. You know, and like the young lad was at the rally the weekend. I don't know what that white car was, but there was some bang over when it passed me. Do you know what I mean? And, and he'd remember that, like, it's grand all all fives, and they go hard. But I, I suppose they don't be maybe as spectacular sometimes as what some of the other lads. And you know, some of the lads are out to put on a show, not to put in quick times. And that's what that's part of it too. We're not all about just. You know, out for the quickest fella. The other, there's a product there for that, but there's definitely a, a market for the lad who want to come out to see the lad in an open manta or WRC escort or the legacies. You know, the Sierra Cosworths. You know, that that's I go to see that over some of the stuff on all the time. So yeah, I think there's definitely a gap in the market for that, and I'd love to see it come back personally. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, so the U Academy as well is something that I was planning to talk to you about last year. We didn't really get to talk to you about it, but can you just give us a, a little bit of an insight into that before I do let you go? Um, yeah. Um, it just was, it was uh, six years ago now we started the Academy. Um, I didn't come from more sport background, Kevin, and when I was getting into more sport, first time I went to actually to Marshall at a rally, I drove to the start line and asked the marshal, 
there, could I do something? And I brought a bib with me. I had no idea. This is before the internet and everything and all that, of course. And, and I found it uh, quite hard to get correct information, if that made sense. You know, it's kind of, you, everyone knows the answers, but they all know the answers because they're already involved in the sport. So we created the academy where it was, a, I suppose what we see now is there's a lot of kids with maybe a single parents and the parents just have no idea. And the young lad is on playing the computer and he's doing this, that or other where he's doing car games. And I've no idea where to go next to him. And the academy was formed. We teach the kids, you know, basic mechanics, obviously the financial part, sponsorship part, and then we put them into carts and race and everything. Um, it's after growing massively over the last few years. Leanne Carroll got involved um, last year and really took the bull by the horns and, and we brought in a new direction. I think it's where we're going to be for the next 10 years or that. Uh, we formed a partnership with Tillotson T4 carts. So now we're linked with themselves for the carton series. Uh, Mondello are very good to us with the kids in the rallycross. We're actually up there next Wednesday with all the kids from 13 up and they're out in the Mini Coopers on track and then they're out in the Sayah setting hot laps and the winner of that gets a drive. So we bring them in for the year. Kids have a bit of fun, race around. At the end of the year, all the top seeded drivers, they score points in, all, in each day they come out. And at the end of the year, the top drivers get a work drive with us. It's all fully paid for. So whether it's a cart in junior level or um, in the mini level or in the rallycross, uh, we have our own carts or after being good enough to have a few sponsors over the year. Um, so that's basically it. We, we normally, we didn't do it last year now. We normally bring up to, you know, Nicky Cal there in the Gerbov and CRS. Um, and we do a workshop up there that's, that's quite good fun. We strip a car and we take it apart and put it back together and service them. And we do a pit stop challenge every year. The kids are trying to, to beat NCRS pit crew on changing the four wheels on a, on a rally car. It's always good fun, kids getting dirty. And for some kids, you know, this is the first time they've ever got oil in their hands. You know, you can imagine there's from different backgrounds and what, what it may be. So, um, no, it's great. Uh, from kids from 8 to 18 years, uh, I think from next year, probably 20 quid to join for the year. And then there's a maybe 20, 30 euro per day, depending on what we're doing. And, uh, yeah, we just suppose it's uh, 30, 40 kids there each day. Uh, just just a, a wordy point I was only talking about the other day. Our second race meeting this year was up in Kiltork in, with, the, with the kids, and they're out in the rental carts. And first, second, and third, I think, had a bit of a gap over the next kids. And from fourth to 19th, were separated by 0.9 of a second. So it just goes to show how close the racing is up there. And, and it's all good fun. There's no, you know... Um, I suppose they probably learn more off each other than they learn off me, but sure, that's all part of racing too. You know, they form friends for life, so it's, it's all good, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, fair play, and you know, um, that's the way lads should be thinking. Um, even in terms of getting information to enter, you know, enter into rallying yourself as an adult, like, is, is important because a lot of lads wouldn't know a lot of that. And Absolutely. some good things have happened in the last couple of years to educate lads, you know, that's another benefit of the last yeah, year. We, and a half, look, we ran the rally sprint there. Uh, in Albatross in when was that July 4th of July and I think we had three of our youth academy members there competing in their own cars you know and these are lads who probably wouldn't uh, like one you know Jack Bourne he's uh, doing the, the circuit race and less tees like um, you know and he's after doing genetics and doing a few things and Jack is a great ambassador he actually won, won the academy in the first year you know and then he proceeded he did a bit of karting then he went into rallycross then he did circuit racing you know and previous to that kind of jack's big thing was oh look when i turned 16 i'll sit into the rally car with my dad you know and didn't look at these other avenues and now you know he, he's working as a driving instructor above mandela while he's still in school you know so it's 
after opening a lot of things up, and Jack is, you know, he's a great ambassador for exactly what we're all about. But like all, well, I won't say all of our winners, but probably 70, 80% of the people who are after winning the academy have went on to progress in motorsport with their own, you know, cars, cars, whatever it may be. And even for more of them, it's, they haven't won it, but they, were, they got in on the, you know, the first step on the ladder and, and they progressed from there. So, yeah, I suppose just a, an open book for parents to ask it some of the silly questions and for kids to meet new friends so it's all yeah. good sure is one last comment before I let you go um, Sean Keown says a fantastic day is rallying great pose back on the ditches well done to all involved thanks for getting in touch um, if you want to get in touch lads just drop us a message uh, underneath the, the live post on Facebook and YouTube um, no hassle at all we'll read it out uh, we always like that bit of interaction too good, bad or indifferent we don't shy away from comments uh, Gary sure any last um, any last comments before we let you go no, uh, thanks for going easy on me, Kev. I was waiting for you to throw an emphasis of howler of a question in there that my, I'd have bad coverage all of a sudden and I'd have to go off. No, um, see, we need, to get, we need to get you on a second time, so we don't do it on the first right, period. Right, right. <laughs> as as man, my next guest will know, he's, 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 he's waiting there in the green room. So listen, Gary, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Thanks a million and uh, well done on a great event, all right? Thanks, Kevin, and well done on the podcast. It's, it's, uh, it's great to have something like this that we can look back at and wish all the best in the future. Thanks a million, Gary. Right. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Lads. Gary Bradley there of um, Wexford Motor Club. Now let's bring in the 2021 Bugratti Insurance Northern Ireland Rally Champion, Mr. Johnny Greer. How are we, Johnny? That's all right, Kev. Yourself? That's for flying it. Great to, great to have you on here again. Um, you know, every time I have you on, you're after winning something. <laughs> I wasn't. This time's the championship. You. Must be you then, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that Craw- Crawford's not knocking around, so... Uh, I uh I don't know I don't know what the crack is. Although I did see him, I did see Crawford. I think he's he's, he's kind of mixed up with your team there, is he? Yeah, uh, yeah, you would. You probably yeah. seen him at the, at the there's a bit of a photo at the end of all of us at the yeah. at the ramp. So yeah, he was. He's never far away. So uh, he's been he's been great for 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 years with me. He's always been always been there um, in the background, sort of doing all the work and getting none of the credit. So <laughs> he. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's him and my dad have been very friendly for years, so the, the two of them have always sort of supported me very well throughout the years. So, yeah, it's uh, great to have those people behind you. You can't really go far without them. Yeah, he was really the happiest to come on the photo, to, to be fair to him now. He was <laughs> thrilled. Um, but come here, I want to say well done, first of all, all joking aside. That's a great achievement. So that's your second time. I think 2017 was the first time, yeah? Yeah, 17 was the first uh, in the DS3, R5, and then, and then this year in the C3. So it's uh, it's good for to have them in two different uh, Citroen models. So... It's always good, uh, a good thing for the uh, for the CV. So talk to us about the game plan. You knew going in beforehand it had to be a kind of calculated, measured drive. Do you feel it was that? Did you take a few risks in the middle of it? Did you have to try and struggle to concentrate because you knew what you had to do? You did it. Now you're champion. Yeah, the, sort of the um, probably the first stage was the most difficult one. The trying to know where to to know where to sit or know what sort of. How much risk to take was really hadn't been on the on the in the car on closed road before, so we really didn't know where our pace would be compared to the other guys. And uh, I think before the rally, you know, there was no. I think it's as what Mike Tyson always said: everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. So that was kind of the the idea was just to go with it and see where we ended up at the end of the first stage. And the first stage was quite tricky, very slippy from start to finish. Even though the road was dry, but just very. I don't know where just greasy or, or oily. Just the whole stage was just was just very very hard for for everybody. And uh, we got to the end of it, and the time was relatively competitive. So we thought, right from here on, this is the way we go. This is the sort of the pace we drive at from here on in. And that's pretty much what we've done. 
and it just worked out for the, the best in the end of the day then there was no real no real drama but it was it was frustrating probably from from my side if you you wanted to go and stretch the legs a bit in the car but you knew at the same time you didn't want to take any massive risks because all you needed was a missed breaking point or a slide wide and that'll be the whole thing over so it uh, had to find a happy medium but lucky enough the first stage went well and then everything got a lot easier from there on um so like how um we mentioned Kirsty before her influence so she's obviously very measured in this kind of environment as we we spoke about before and probably important for you as well i mean was she telling you to push a bit was she telling you to slow a bit or did you kind of know yourself a little bit as well deep down uh, not really i think i think we've you know been competing together long enough now that we sort of know each other's sort of game plan so there's no there's no hassle that way i think um i sort of prefer to be <laughs> kind of left alone a wee bit um to do my own thing so that's that's usually what what happens um i mean she will step in if, if you think you're you're doing something a bit silly but you know there's no there's no real need for it now we sort of i think we trust each other enough now to mm-hmm. to do our own thing and um you know i always find that the less the less said about it, the better i i sort of prefer to to keep things fairly fairly quiet on the road sections and things just to just to keep the just to keep the focus a wee bit better and uh yeah that's the way it's always it's worked up until now so hopefully it he's working out from from going into the future as well yeah so obviously Callum Devine went and won the Tour de Spurns like that guy's on some streak at the moment uh we did try to get Callum on for a chat here tonight as well he's he's busy so hopefully uh in future we'll get on for another one but uh what a what a rich event of form in fairness like yeah, it's, it's great to see him getting the results now. Uh, you know, he had a difficult start of the season in the in the European Championship, but I mean, we all knew from two years ago, really, when he started to show real good pace in the Tarmac Championship, that he was going places. And I say it's great to see him getting a better reward for for all the hard work he's done. So uh, yeah, um, it's it's good for us as well. Like him coming back from the ERC to do these rounds is great for everybody. You know, it, it puts a a guy of his caliber come back to do those rallies is, is fantastic for everybody it helps you gauge where you are as well so it's uh yeah good to see yeah definitely definitely raises the bar in, in fairness so what we'll do johnny is i'm gonna obviously we have a good bit to go through so i'll run down to the top 10 for us then we'll go to the class winners but uh niall henry dino sullivan 10th uh nine to Stuart biggerstaff and anthony nestor anthony nestor obviously being a good friend of us here on the podcast uh stephen wright uh, outgoing champion i think johnny yeah right yeah he that. was yeah, he was a uh, the 20, uh, 2019 champion. So obviously, yeah. with no no twenty twenty, mm-hmm. he was uh, the reigning champion. So some um, and um, Lee Mine in eighth, uh, David Bogey and John Rowan in seventh, uh, John McGonagall and Kieran Ganey sixth, uh, Gary Jennings, Rory Kennedy fifth, Pat Harrison, Damien Connolly fourth, uh, yourself and of course the obviously third, uh, Desi Henry and Niall Byrne second, and then Callum Devine and Brian Hyatt winners. So like I'm just looking at it there again, and it's something I would have looked at, and just bringing up like forty nine seconds is all you were off the. Off the lead so like you were you were reminding yourself but you weren't you weren't uh, babying long either as the fella said so that's one thing just to bring to people's attention there in terms of the times and all um class winners then so uh, historic richard hall declan campbell uh group n uh, seamus uh, goodfellow and joel mcfarland class three philip white and brian rowan uh brian rowan is a guy i know quite well uh we thought and he actually might be still joining us we sent him the link that he's under a bit of pressure but himself and philip white i think won the, the junior championship um, so well done to, to both of them, it must be said too. And also, uh, you know, taking uh, class three on the day. Uh, class four, Jordy McManus, there's Sherlock. Uh, moving on to class five, that's Aim McGuigan and Michael Moran. Class six, Jason Black, Carl Egan in the Starlet. Beautiful car, I love that car, in fairness. Uh, David Bogey uh, with class seven honours alongside John Rowan. Uh, class eight, Andrew Bustard and Kenny Bustard. And then class nine, Kevin Bradley, Brendan McElhenney. Uh, yourself, obviously, class 10. 
uh, class 11 then Callum and Brian so that's the, the full rundown on uh, the class winners um, yeah so you know at the start of the year Johnny we didn't think this was going to be the last round of the championship um, unfortunately it is so you know you obviously celebrated a bit at the weekend but what's next what are we looking at now like are we just looking at downtime or is there another plan in place for something this year or are we waiting off till next year yeah well we're sort of looking at looking at the options here at the minute um sort of the next one on the on the list is probably the ulster uh you know with the the brc guys coming over and, and that'll be a good opportunity to go in and get another bit, bit some more road experience in the car and stuff like that but yeah, we looked at the Ulster as a as a event to do even before uh, Throne Stage got cancelled. Um, we sort of looked at towards the end of the year that would be one would like to go and try our hand at. So probably that, and then after that, if things work out well, we've we've looked at sort of Killarney Historic and things like that. So um, that's why I was listening. I was listening to yourselves and, and Gary there talking about the Group A area. I was sort of nodding ahead in the background. So, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we're sort of thinking that's yeah, I'd be all on for that. Because obviously we have a CR ourselves, which we do better competing in. So yeah. um, I'm sort of I'm all on for that. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's the plan really for the for the rest of the year. Then if if all that works out, but um, yeah, let's say hopefully it all does come together. But we'll just have to wait and see. And you have made a few appearances in that uh, beautiful automobile, haven't you? Um, or have you? Your name is definitely on the side of it, anyway. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, I've done Killarney in the car twice now. Yeah, um, I was thinking that. Yeah, the first one, twenty eighteen, we had quite a quite a good run in the car that was just kind of really finished on the lead up to the event. So we've done no testing on anything in the car, and and we got through the event. I think we're fifth overall, um, and first in the FIA class. So that was a real result. And then twenty nineteen, we went back for a bit of a better a better attack at the rally, and we're on third. And then the Time belt snapped on the road section, so that was us out of the event. So, the uh, it's um, it's the true the true Sierra experience that so it was. It's usually the, the, <laughs> they're quite temperamental. So, yeah. But um, yeah, that's uh, I love the cars. I think you know I was really surprised. We had this idea to to build the car and get the car running again, and uh, sort of when the when the when the opportunity came up came apart came upon us, I was really eager to do it because Group A is is what I remember. You know, from my first memories of, of Irish Rally, it was always, you know, Fishers, McKinstries, my dad was competing in a, in a Group A Sierra at the time. That's my that's my time, that's my era as such. You know, I really missed all the, the Mark II stuff. I'd never really got got onto it at all, never really warmed to it. The Group A era was my early memories, and that's that's what I'm all about. Like so uh yeah, the experience was fantastic. I thought the car was really, really good. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't have the same handling as the R5s do, but the the noise and the power and everything else in the cars is just brilliant so the uh yeah i really look forward to it back out in the game yeah and if it does become a class i mean one one of the possible drawbacks which has been mentioned is parts and how hard it might be to get parts for some of these cars like is that something you would have encountered um as a difficulty perhaps yeah it was at the start you know um but again you're just you're just learning again the there is people all around the place there's people in europe especially have are making new parts for these cars and uh, it's just a case of i think it's a case of if the people get the cars up and running the people will be there to supply the parts but if there's no customers there's going to be no supply um so i think there is there is a there is a growing movement i think now where people are trying to get these cars up and running and the parts supply is coming to meet them i think hopefully it will get to the stage where the parts are easy to get 
Um, I know certainly we have issues with some stuff to get for the Cosworths and stuff, but you can just see every so often that more and more people are coming into the market with new products, you know, that can replace the ones you have. So, you know, you can pretty much buy everything off the shelf for a Mark II now, you know, and that wouldn't have been the case if the people hadn't rallied the cars. So I think the more people get into the cars, the better chance we'll be get the parts. Now, so this brings the burning question then. So if we do have a, a class, a Group A class, we'll say next year, or the year after, or the year after that, what does Johnny Greer do? Do you stay, you know, competing in the class you're kind of in around now? Or is there temptation there to say, geez, wouldn't mind a belt at this? And could you see, look, you're not going to see a turn in the tide, right? This is not going to be something that will win you a tournament championship, say, right? But what if a few less started actually trickling over to that saying, just I wouldn't mind a bit of that. And next thing, all of a sudden, it's literally uh, deja vu. And all the big guns are coming over here. Like, you know, is it, would it be a consideration or is that just a ridiculous comment? I think I think the, like, the, the, the way the historics are going. I mean, like the, the FA historic classes up until is it the end of 1990 or 91 now. So mm-hmm. the Sierra and Legacy are starting to come into that FA historic. So those cars are starting to become active again. You know, how many years it'll be until the like of the the Impreza or the Escort Cosworth or this you know the later Salikas are in that that FIA historic group and I don't know but at the minute the Group A cars are just starting to come into the FIA historics and okay whether there'll be a, a market for the likes of the later Group A cars to just compete in, in normal rallies against the R5s and WRCs I don't know but certainly from a historic point of view I think it'll be a, a demand for it. Um, you know, was they were touching on there with with Gary with the about the uh, the legacies at the weekend that were out. You know, that was fantastic. I loved every bit of that. <laughs> As, yeah, you know, sure. I was watching I was watching the onboard that Mikey put up, and it was just that was just fantastic. You know, how often do you get to see that? Um, you know, I think that's there is there is a demand for those cars now, and it'd be great to get something put together to get to get even if it was only a couple of rallies a year where these cars can run in their specific in their proper Group A specification and and be competitive. Definitely, lad. And I suppose then to change subject slightly to Spain over the weekend, and you know we know there is a connection, obviously, with yourself and and Mister Mister Creighton. What's the extent of that actually? Do you want to kind of reveal it? Is, is you know you do look after a little bit, don't you? In fairness, uh, with different things. Uh yeah, we do. Um, we've run this car for for four or five years now, so um, we sort of took him under the wing in in twenty seventeen. Uh, he was doing his first year in the British Championship, so. Obviously, we had experience in the British Championship before, so he wanted to, to come over and, and sort of us to sort of help him run the car and things like that. So that's kind of where it all started. Um, I think at the start, I was maybe trying to teach him, but I think now he's teaching me. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that's, that's, um, it's great to be involved. Um, you know, the, you sort of have to try and hopefully pass over, pass on some experience to him, trying to make sure he doesn't make the same mistakes I made when I was his age. So, yeah, he's... Uh, He's definitely a great prospect. You know, he's he's working hard at it, and he's got great pace now. And and going out and doing those events isn't easy, you know. And especially this year with COVID and everything else, he's really had to work hard to get everything sorted for him. So, yeah, he's he's it's really good to see him going out there and doing it now. It's, and Spain obviously he had a he had a bad first stage, which kind of ruined the rally for him. But after that, his times were very competitive. So very good, yeah. He's he's getting there now where he's at the stage he can go anywhere and be competitive. He doesn't have to have been there before and had the racky the year before and had the experience. He can just go make a set of pace notes and, and be on the pace. So that's good to see. 
Yeah, fair play to himself and Liam for, for bouncing back and putting in those times like, and, and it was a challenging event. We saw like John Armstrong obviously going for outright honours in the JWRC like, and he got caught as well. Like it's just that's the type of event it is. Um very misfortunate and he punched in serious times, like he was absolutely honest, you know. It was disappointing that it didn't work out from whatever. Josh Markerlin, phenomenal podium finish, like uh delighted to delighted to to see the, the progress that he's made, like, you know, and that's going on upward trajectory over the last couple of months. You know, there's, there's Mark, I suppose, Mark progress, for want of a better expression there. And again, another big lift, like. Yeah, well, it's, it's he's getting the experience at that level and there's nothing can bring on your pace like it. You know, when he has, he has stepped up to the mark every, and he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's setting in very competitive times there, again, on new events he hasn't been to. So you have... I think it's I think it's brilliant to see the 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 quality out there of the guys coming from here now. You know there we had you know with William was competitive times, but John was leading the, the category for a long time, and then obviously Josh with third in WRC three. You know the guys are now right up there at a top level in, in world championship rallies. Like you can't you can't get any higher than that. You know, um, and obviously we have you know we have Craig leading the line in the, in the WRC car class. So you kind of have nearly. You kind of have nearly a guy right at the front of every category in WRC, and you know I don't remember that ever happening before. You know, it's it's great, it's it's a great time to be to be involved in it. Absolutely. So, like with that, uh, Josh and uh, James Fulton were 17th overall. Um, Gary McElhenney alongside Seb Perez, 26th overall. That's not too shabby either. Fair play, uh, Gary. You know, very universally adaptable. Like he's spectacular on the Donegal Harvest in the Mar Two driving, and then. No, he's not too shabby as a navigator either, as uh, as we all know. Was uh, Jeff Case who we had on recently, thirty uh, fourth alongside Parik Duffy. Uh, well done to them as well. Aaron Johnson, you know, obviously, Taka had a bit of uh, trouble, um, but another another name. And I suppose last but not least, and I think we've got Trevor on at this stage. But last but not least, I think that was Chris Patterson's last event. Now he has said that before <laughs> a number of times, and we have seen him again. But um, sixth alongside Ghost Greensmith. I mean. He's he's brought him on a bit, like in fairness, he's he's stabilised things there, and he's he's just so level headed, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's 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 fairly obvious to see. I mean, he's come in there, and he, he has got Gus putting in the performances now. Um, I mean, how can you compete with the the sort of experience that that Chris has? You know, he's seen and done everything, and you know, we've even from from being around rallying, just from obviously with the family connection. You know he has so much knowledge of every single aspect of the sport. You know, Chris would be, you'd always see Chris at uh, the circuit or an Ulster or some home rally. Be he doing a time control? You know, so he does. He does everything. He he knows enough about the organisation. He knows about the notes. He knows about the competing of it. You know, so how do you find guys with experience? You know, it's it's worth so much to a, to a driver, especially a young driver, where you're maybe. You know, you're maybe coming up, and you're not. You're sort of coming up through the ranks, and you need that sort of level headedness to keep the whole thing, keep the whole thing on point, really. So, he's done a fantastic job with him, and it's great to see that. You know, Gus was saying at the end of the event how much it meant to him, and how you know, thankfully, was of Chris being there beside him just shows you what he's brought to the whole project. So, yeah, great to see. And now, Johnny, last but not least, time for the curveball. There is no curveball. I want to Waiting there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're primed and ready to go. Up there. Uh, no, listen. I mean, again, thanks for your time. Um, delighted that you won the championship. You've been very good to me over the last number of months. We must get Crawford on again now. I have to say. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, have to get him lined up for another for another go at yeah. it. 
that went down the tree. I'd say there's serious stories to tell there now, in fairness. Like, I mean, he only, he only told us uh, tip of the iceberg stuff regarding one event, but uh, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you uh, want the full story, you have made to make it like a week long segment or something, you know, an hour every night or something. I don't think you would get through it in one go. Like, <laughs> geez, I, said, I think there's worse things on Netflix now, you know what I mean? So, you might, you might be worried with that. But um, just one last comment actually, uh, Gavin Dempsey has said, uh, great stuff, Kev. Thanks for getting us uh, in touch, Sarah Gavin. Um, to mention, I suppose, uh, our sponsor again, uh, DC Electrical Mechanical Services. Thanks very much, Derek, for, you know, looking after us for uh, this particular episode. Um, as always, you know, you can follow us, as we said, on uh, social media uh, at Irish Rally Pod. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and turn on the notifications wherever you watch or listen. And we do typically have the audio up on Spotify and Apple half an hour to an hour most of the time, all going well. And you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com johnny greer a pleasure as always well done once again and um we'll chat soon whether it's a whether it's a sierra we see you now or whether it's uh your own trusty citron uh we wish you the very best luck and thanks again for joining us all right yeah no, thanks for having me on kev great to be on supporting the whole thing again good stuff chat to you soon thanks everyone for tuning all right in. cheers man.